Blog Talk Radio. The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know it? <laughs> David said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is a, is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's august and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He is the coral necessity for spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He is the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meager. I wonder if you know him. Well, this is my king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his office is manifold, his promise is sure, his life is matchless, his goodness is limitless, his mercy is everlasting, his love never changes, his word is enough, his grace is sufficient, his reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind, you can't get him off of your head, you can't outlive him, and you 
My Lord and Savior, my God. I want to welcome everybody out to another edition of the Sword of the Spirit. I'm Brother Miles, and I am your host. I want to say Shabbat Shalom to everybody out there in Pal Talk Land and Blog Talk Land and on the Internet in general, wherever you may be listening. We greet you in the master's name of Yeshua HaMashiach. I hope that the Most High has kept you safe from all hurt and harm this week and that he has blessed you in whatever you have set your hands to. This week, we are starting in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, and it is the goal to finish this, um, finish reading the Bible this year. We may or we may not uh, make it, but Yah knows. Um, I'm really, really, really itching to get into, uh, back into the kingdom series uh, and concentrate in that work. But, you know, I have said that I would read the entire Bible this year, take uh, take the year to read it. And for those who uh, are apt to listen and to expound as we go. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to uh, pray ourselves in. And then we will read from the book of Psalms, chapter, uh, I believe I picked chapter 54 this week. And then we will proceed uh, with the the reading, Uh, the book of beginning. So if I can have the brothers to uncover their heads, the sisters to cover their heads, let us turn toward the east, toward Jerusalem, holy hands raised to the most high. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercy. We thank you for life and health and strength today. We thank you for the opportunity to once again come together and to break bread and to observe your Shabbat a day of rest that you have ordained that your people should keep perpetually throughout all time. Father, we ask that you you would forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We ask that you lead us not into temptation, but that you deliver us from evil. We ask that you hold not the iniquities of our forefathers against us, for they are all gone by the way of the grave, and we are still yet here, seeking to keep your statutes, laws, and commandments in spirit and in truth. Father, you have said that your people have done wickedly and that they have sinned before you and that you have walked contrary to us and that we have walked contrary to you. And, Father, you have said that if we would turn from our wicked way and if we would repent of our sins and if we would not complain about the punishment, that you will once again turn your eyes and your ears toward your people, Israel. So, Father, we repent of our sins. We won't complain about the punishment. And our testimony to the world will be, this is what happens when you disobey the Most High Elohim. Father, we ask that you would once again turn your eyes and your ears toward your people, Israel, and that you would hear our prayers and our supplications. Father, we pray for Israel that is asleep, that you might wake them and give them an unction to come and keep your statutes, laws, and commandments. We pray for Israel that is awake, that you might give them a meek and a humble spirit, a spirit of love, for you are love. Now, Father, as we go to work in the kingdom, We ask that you would smile upon this work and that you would give us favor in all that we do and that you would send the seed of Abraham, the seed that you have selected. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen and amen and amen. All right, that being said, the book of Psalms, chapter 54. 
to the chief musician on Mishnah, Michelle, a thumb of David, when Zip Zephim came and said to Saul, Doth not David hide himself with us? Save me, O Yah, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O Yah. Give ear to the words of my mouth, for strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors speak after my soul. They have not set Yah before them. They lie. Behold, Yah is my helper. Yah is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Yah, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of this all trouble, and my eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. May the Most High add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and most of all, the doing of his word. In Yeshua HaMashiach's precious name, in Jesus Christ, amen and amen. All right. We are starting at the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis. I want to give a shout out to my brother, uh, Shema Akin, uh, him and his lovely wife, starting a ministry there in Michigan, Apostolic House of Judah, uh, has asked me to partake and participate in that ministry. And I, and I the most I had told me that this brother was going to ask before he asked. And it is indeed my honor to do so. So as the most I gives it to him, and as he comes forth, um, I'm just wanting to be the willing servant uh, that the most time may use both of us and his ministry to draw people into the kingdom to make community. Community, not just the church, not just a body of believers, but those that live by the laws of Yah, who worship Yah, who do the work of Yah. Community. So the community has needs of all the trades. doesn't matter what the trade is, unless you are doing something illegal. doesn't matter what the Most High has you doing. You need to be doing it for the kingdom, the whole difference, whether you're doing it for self or whether you're doing it for the kingdom of Yah. All right, that being said, uh, we pray that the Most High blesses whatever this brother and this sister put their hands to and that he brings those souls uh, that are accounted to him to him and that he is able to be successful in the tearing with them for the Holy Spirit because our people lack the spirit of Yah. And so it is a must. It, it, it delights my soul when uh, this brother told me that my ministry is going to be a ministry that tarries with people so that they receive the spirit of the Most High, the Holy Spirit. Without the spirit of the Most High, you are none of his, and you're not a child of his. You're not in his kingdom. You don't have your citizenship. Can't stress that enough. You know, so you ought to want to know that you know that you know that you know that you have this. All right, without further ado, the book of Genesis, starting in chapter 1. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, 
Elohim created the heavens and the earth. I'm going to do something this reading. Everywhere where it says God at, I'm going to use the name of God um, as I understand the name to be. Hopefully it doesn't offend anyone, uh, but if it does, uh, my apologies ahead of time. But I'm going to, it makes a difference because there are so many things, definitions, and things that the word God can mean. But when you use his name, there's no doubt as to who you're talking about. There's no doubt about it. So I'm going to use his name, and we are going to uh, go forth in that manner. In the beginning, Yah created the heavens and the earth. Earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of Yah moved upon the face of the water. And Yah said, let there be light, and there was light. And Yah saw the light, that it was good. And Yah divided the light from the darkness. And Yah called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, when we read verses 1 through 4, we don't get day and night. The Most High called, he called the light. But he didn't, hadn't made the stars, the sun, the stars, and the moon yet. So this light here that he's speaking of has to be a different light. And there's a spiritual message here, but I'm not going to dig into that because I just want to read this. But I want you, to, as you, we are reading the book of, of Genesis, and especially in chapter 1, understand that chapter 1 is an overview. It's an overview of what the Most High did. Chapter 2 will go into more detail. And in chapter 3, even into more detail to what happens with the relationships and why man was kicked out of the garden. I want you to also pay attention to time frame uh, because without the sun and the moon, we really have no morning and evening except for what the Most High declares it to be. So he says here, and Yah saw the light, and that it was good, and Yah divided the light from the darkness. And Yah called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. All right, so remember, we don't have a sun and a moon yet, and we only get evening and morning right here. It's speaking of a totally different time frame. We have to understand that... Um, you don't have hours and minutes and days here. So we don't know how much time passed during this period. We were just told that the Most High declared an evening and a morning, a beginning and an end to that, that time period. Okay. Verse 6, and Yah said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. That is firmament. Let's look at this word in the Hebrew. The word firmament in the Hebrew, rakeya, properly and expanse, a firmament or apparently visible arch. Okay, so he's calling the atmosphere. 
And he's saying, let it divide the waters from the waters. Now, there is just as much water in the atmosphere as there is in the ocean. So we have to understand that the most I said, I'm going to put air, the, the, I'm going to put air in here, and then there's going to be waters above and waters below. So the clouds are a whole other ecosystem. And the most I said, let me put a firmament in between these, because without this atmosphere, oh, we weren't made to be in the heavens not naturally in the heavens. Everything that the Most High, when we read this, everything that the Most High had for mankind, he put in the earth. So when we're reading this, and you hear that he called the dry ground out of the water, in the dry ground was already all the plant life, all the animal life, mankind. Because he brought all of those things out of the earth. So they were already in this. Let's keep going. So he puts a firmament in the midst of the waters. And Yahweh made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And Yah called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And Yah said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And Yah called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he sea. And Yah said, it was good. And Yah said, let the earth bring forth grass and herbs yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, and whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. So when we read these verses, go back and review this. Yah said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. So the most high, we know that the earth, was covered with water. It was a water planet to begin with. And the Most High said, call the dry land from out of the water. So he said, let the waters be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And he came and, and Yah called the dry land earth. So where does this planet get its name from? From the Most High. And he gathered together and the gathering together of the waters called he seed. And Yah saw that it was good. So we have the Most High creating and calling forth. And there's nothing uh, wrong in this creation. And so Yah said, let the earth bring forth grass. He spoke it. And all of a sudden, the grass starts coming. And the herbs yielding seed. And the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. Whose seed is in itself. And the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass. And herb yielding seed after his kind. And the tree yielding fruit. Whose seed was in itself. After his kind. 
and Yah saw that it was good in the evening and the morning for the third day. So now we have gone through three days of creation, and the Most High has called light and darkness. He called uh, all the plant life. He called the earth. Uh, he called the firmament and divided the waters. He called the dry land out of the water. Said, let there be light in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. So we already had evening and morning. This evening and morning is a time frame that wasn't governed by the sun and the moon. This evening and morning was governed by the Most High, saying that this is evening and this is morning. So now we're going to see that he uh, brings forth the sun and the moon. And Yah said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So this is where we're supposed to get our counting system, our uh, way that we account for time. The Most High said it. He said, he set the sun and the moon and the stars for the keeping of time. So let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. He said, let them be for light in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And Yah made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also from in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to to divide the light from the darkness. And Yah saw that it was good. In the evening and the morning, what a fourth day. So we have, I want you to understand, on the third day, we have trees and plant and plant life with no sun. It's coming forth, but the light that it's growing by is not the light of the sun. On the fourth day, the Most High creates two great lights, and he puts them in the heavens, and he creates the stars, and he puts those in the heavens. And he says we're to use these to, t- to tell time. And he put them to shine upon the earth. So these plants were growing without sunlight or moonlight, for that matter. And Yah saw it, and he said that it was good. Verse 20, and Yah said, let the waters bring forth abundantly, and the moving creatures that have life, the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Now, we're in day five. Now we're having what? The fish in the ocean. We're having the birds, the fowls to come. And Yah created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And Yah saw that it was good. And Yah blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the sea. And let the fowl multiply in the earth. In the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So Yah created the fishes and the fowls, water life and air life, uh, on day five. 
And he tells that he blesses them. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. Yah knew that he created this planet to sustain life forever. But he's going to put a creature on this earth that is going to not only sin, but foul up the creation. So day one through five in creation is perfect and is good. And the Most High has blessed the creatures in the fifth day. He has said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and let the fowls multiply in the earth. So fish and plant life and birds multiplying in the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. Yah said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his time, cattle and creeping things. And creeping things and the beasts of the earth after his time, and it was so. And Yah made the beasts of the earth after his time, and the cattle after their time, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his time. And Yah saw that it was good. And Yah said, said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, everything that I put in the sea, and over the fowl of the air, all the creatures that I called and said, gave them the ability to fly and over the cattle, the beasts of the field and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So Yah created man in his own image. In the image of Yah created he him. Male and female created he them and Yah blessed them. And Yah said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And subdue it. What does this word subdue mean? Usually this means to bring it to submission, to bring it up under your control. Let's see how this word is used here from the Hebrew. Kabash. To tread down, hence negatively, to disregard positively, to conquer, subjugate, violate. Bring into bondage. Force. Keep under. Subdue. Bring into subjection. So it means the same thing in the Hebrew. It means to bring it under your control, under your dominion. You have to have power over it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything that liveth upon, that moveth upon the earth. And Yah said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for me. So let's read that again because we were vegetarians from the beginning. We weren't supposed to be eating the animals. We were supposed to rule over them, but we weren't supposed to be hunting them down or doing anything like that. 
So let's see what the Most High said again. Said, Behold, I have given you every every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. So look at what he said. He gave man the herb and the fruit from the trees. He gave the creeping things just herbs. He didn't give them the trees. He didn't give them the fruit. And Yah saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Evening and the morning were the sixth day. So now we've gone through six days of creation. Again, chapter one is an overview. What the Most High did, uh, what his design was, and what his wishes were for the animals and for man. And he says, so everything is, is good. The book of Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, Yah ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And Yah blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, that in it he had rested from all his work which Yah created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created, in the day that Yah made the earth and the heavens. Now remember, we went through six days. But he says these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth. This is the uh, generating of them. When they were created, in the day that Yah made the earth and the heavens, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, where Yah had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. <coughs> so the Most High already had a plan. The plants were waiting for the moisture. They're in the in the earth, but there is no sunlight before day what? Four? But he says he called them forth in day three. But he hadn't caused it to rain upon the earth yet. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And and Yah and Yah Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So the Most High is now telling us his dealings about with man. So first he causes what a mist to grow, go around the whole earth and to water the whole face of the ground, so that the plant can start to grow. And Yah formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. Now, before, in, in chapter 1, he just told us he created man in his image and in his likeness. Now he's telling you how he did it. He formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. This breath of life is just air. All living things on this earth require air to breathe, to live. 
whether it's in the water, they need the oxygen in the water. It's in a different form, but it's still the same thing. We are out of the water, but we're in a different atmosphere that has just as much water in it as the ocean. So really, it's, everything is breathing, a water-breathing world. So we breathe uh, vaporized water, and they breathe liquefied water, the oxygen, and take the oxygen from that. And Yah planted a, a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. The man was not formed from the ground of the garden. The man was placed in the garden. And out of the ground made Yah Elohim to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, trees uh, play a big role uh, in the fall of man. So I want to read these verses slower and let us uh, digest what we're reading. And out of the ground made Yah to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Both of these trees were aware in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became forehead. The name of the first was Pison. That is, it which compasses or surrounds the whole land of Havaliah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is Bedlam and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it that compasses or surrounds the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hedekiel. That is it which goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And Yahgah took the man, or Yah Elohim took the man, and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. I'm making a man. I'm not going to cause the plant life to grow until he's ready. But it's going to start before he comes on the scene so that it's ready for him to consume because he's going to be a creature that eats the herbs of the field and the fruit from the tree. So he couldn't come on the scene before they had fruit on them or the most I had to do something supernatural and cause them to bring forth very quickly because <coughs> we know in the natural world no tree just grows overnight and buds and produces fruit. Neither do the herbs of the field grow that way. So we know that there's a natural time frame here. And there's a natural time when most I would have waited for these things to be ready so he could introduce the man into the system. To do what? What was his job? To chill the ground, to keep the garden, to keep it manicured. So verse 15, and Yah, Yah Elohim took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. That was his job. 
And Yah Yah Elohim commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So think about this. Man has access to every tree in the garden. He has access to every one of them, even the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the Most High says, of that tree, you shall not eat of it. Didn't he say don't touch it? He doesn't say that. He says, don't you eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. Now, here is choice. You have, you can eat from every tree in the midst of the garden. But this one tree you can't eat from. The one tree, now it seems to be human nature, the one thing we're told we can't do, that's the one thing we want to do. And Yah said unto the man, said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help me for him. He's talking about the woman here. And a, a lot of, you know, today, people with the earth being so populated, I think people forget, the man and the woman forget the roles that the Most High gave them. But he said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help me. Now, in the Hebrew, I'm going to furnish him a help me. A rise up from an aid, a help. So Adam, let's find out what happens to Adam. And out of the ground, Elohim formed, or Yah Elohim formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave the names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. So Adam's looking at all the beasts of the field. He's looking at the, the fowls and everything, and he's naming them. And he's seeing them in pairs. And they're doing what the Most High told them to do, be fruitful and multiply. And so the scripture says, but there was not found any help meet for him. This help meet for him is to help him be fruitful and to what? Multiply. There was not found any help for him. And Yah Elohim caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh and fed thereof. And the rib which Yah Elohim had taken from man made he a woman, 
and brought her unto the man. Could you imagine that? You done, you've been naming everything. Uh, you've seen them go in pairs. But there's nothing like you. There's nothing else in the world that looks like you, that acts like you, that has your intelligence. And so the Most High takes part of him, a rib out of his body, and he makes the woman. And then think about this. Says that he took one of his, put him to sleep, took one of his ribs, and then he closed up the flesh where he took the rib from. Adam wakes up. We don't know how long Adam was awake or how long he was asleep. But the next thing we're told is that the Most High is bringing this full grown woman to him. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone. And flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman or wound a man with a wound because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall have, and they shall be one flesh. And they, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, we know, traditionally speaking, in order for there to be a, a man, for, in order for there to be a, uh, a husband and wife, the marriage must be consummated. We're not told that it was consummated here, but we're told that this is now his wife. And he says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So woman means what? Taken out of. Now the most I says that both the man and the woman were naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. They had nothing to hide. There's an innocence here. She knows what her purpose is. He knows what his purpose is. She was made to meet that need. We're not told that they started doing anything, but it was for that purpose what she made. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle, slick, uh, sneaky, more subtle than any beast of the field. He kept a low profile. Yah Elohim and he said unto the woman, Yea, has Yah said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, you know, you got to wonder here. Were they able to talk to all the animals? Because you have a snake here that shows up and it's just talking. That would lead me to believe that they could actually communicate with, with the other animals as well. But it said that this serpent was subtle, slick. 
the serpent was uh, he was low key, and he asked the woman a question: Has not Elohim said you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, of the tree which is in the midst or the middle of the garden. Yah has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, she doesn't name the tree. I just noticed that. She doesn't name the tree. She says, But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. How many trees were we told were in the midst or in the middle of the garden? Two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So she mentions the one tree that she's not supposed to, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, Yah has said, you shall, not, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, she said the most I told her that. So let's read this again. But I believe that it was Adam that told it. But let's go with the scriptures. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, Yah has said, you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, the most I didn't tell Adam he couldn't touch the tree. He told him, don't eat from it. So now we have the woman, and in her mind, she's not supposed to touch this tree. And she's not supposed to eat from the fruit of it. Sounds like a setup. Why do I say that? Because if she touches this fruit, she's going to believe that she sinned. And she was not told that. She told, hey, don't you eat it. Now, I'll give an alternative to this in just a second. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Wait a minute. God said we're going to die. The serpent says you're not going to die. For Yah has, for Yah does know that in the day you eat thereof, that you eat of that tree, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. So he's pointing her toward the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't say the day you eat of the tree of life. You should be a God. He's intentionally pointing her toward this tree. And she's only thinking of the one tree. She's not thinking of the tree of life. And when the woman saw the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, when the most I said that he put every tree in the garden and that they were all good for food, including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was good for food, and she's just confirming that. And that it was pleasant to the eye. This was a good-looking tree. And a tree to be desired, to make one wise. Where does she think she, where would she think she's going to get a wisdom from? Because the serpent just told her, you will be as God, knowing good and evil. So she wants to be wise, She's here on her own. Where is Adam at? How long did this conversation go on? Is this a single? Did it take just one conversation with the woman to convince her? We're told of one conversation. 
But I'm thinking that um, he was being subtle. He was doing this a little bit at a time. So let's read this again. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she saw the tree that was good for food. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So this woman, all in, in one sentence, this woman has uh, partaken of and broken and desired all the things that are in this world. She took up the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, when you read this, you might think that this happened like one, two, three. But think about it. You've been told if you eat this, you're going to die. She now thinks if she touches it, she's going to die. What do you think? What do you think went through her mind? She goes and she touches this fruit. She touches the fruit and she doesn't die. I got to believe that she took a nibble. Because she must have a concept of what death is. She must have a concept of what death is. So she is I don't believe that she just took the fruit and just fruit and just bit it. So I think she nibbled. She nibbled on the fruit and saw, oh, I didn't die. I didn't die. So they must have told me a story. They must have lied to me. But then also she has a desire in her to be what? Wise. She wants wisdom. She wants to uh, she wants to be one up, it seems like. And then it says she turned around and she gave to her husband and he did eat. Now, you gotta know Adam knew what this fruit was. Was he just that that easy? That the woman could just hand him this fruit that he knows is going to kill them? And he didn't contemplate it? He didn't wait he didn't weigh the cost? The scripture says in the New Testament that Adam was not deceived. The woman was deceived, but Adam wasn't deceived. So he knew fully well what he was doing. And I think he had to consider the matter. And he chose to eat. And he chose to eat. So let's read this. Let's read this verses again. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. 
she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now we were told in in chapter two that the man and the woman were naked and they were not ashamed. Soon as they ate from this tree, as soon as they ate from this tree, they became knowledgeable. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So they start covering up. Ooh, 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 I see what you got. I see what you got too. And they became ashamed. And they covered up. And they heard the voice of Yah Elohim walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yah Elohim among the trees of the garden. My, my, my. You've been walking with the Most High your whole life. And then you do something wrong. And now you're ashamed of yourself. And you go run and hide. Still do that today. Anytime that we commit sin, we will run away from from God. We will try to hide from it. We'll feel bad. It's when we become so desensitized to sin that we no longer care. We don't care whether we are doing wrong. We don't care who we hurt. We don't care uh, how we treat people. And then we even start believing that there is no God. We put God out of our minds so that we can do what it is that we want to do. Let me forget that there's a God. I don't believe in him. But deep down inside, we know. So the man and the woman in the garden, they sin and they cover themselves. And now she's going to start to keep secrets from him and he's going to keep secrets from her. And when you say a penny for your thoughts, in other words, what are you thinking? They'll say nothing. But it's impossible to think nothing. It's, what you're thinking is what you don't want to share with that person. It's nothing that I want to share with you. This is what happens when we get close, close to each other. We close off. We um we become hidden to one another. No, I don't want to share that thought. Uh, no, I don't want to share that feeling. Oh, I know I shouldn't have been looking. I'm, I'm ashamed. Well, no, I don't want to tell you that. This is what's going on with the man and the woman in the garden, and they hide themselves from the most high. Let's continue. And Yah Elohim called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? Where art thou? And it's not that he didn't know where Adam was at. 
says, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Oh, wait a minute. All this whole time you weren't ashamed. You were, you've been naked. You ain't being ashamed. Let's see what God asked him. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? Now, this tree, the knowledge of good and evil, people say that the tree of life was Messiah and that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is Satan. And I'm just going to leave mass trees at this point, okay? Because in their mind, in Eve's mind, let's take, start with her, because Adam was not deceived. In Eve's mind, um, she believed the lie that Satan told her, that the serpent told her. And because she believed the lie, she acted upon her belief. So she ate the fruit. And we can find in the scripture where it says that they the lies that Satan told them, that they were told in the garden. <coughs> and the man said, the woman, well, let's go back. He says, and who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave me gave to be with me. She gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Now, wait a minute. He just blamed the woman. But he knew, he knew good and well what she gave him. But he's going to blame her. How many times we see that in our children? How many times we see that in ourselves? We do something wrong, and we want to blame the other person. I would have done it if I wasn't with you. You made me do that. Here Adam is saying, hey, the woman that that woman you gave me, she gave it gave me the, of the tree and I did eat it. And Yah Elohim said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? What have you done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The serpent seduced me. He fooled me. And I did eat. And Yah Elohim said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life, enmity or hatred between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the first prophecy of Messiah. Because the most time is going to take the man out of the picture when it comes to Messiah coming into the world. Said that he's going to be born of a virgin. Not of the seed of the man, but of the seed of the woman. And the most I said that he would speak it into her. So here is the first the first uh, mentioning or prophecy about Messiah. It said that he would bruise the head of the serpent. When you bruise 
something said, you hit it in the head. You hit it at its command center, what controls it. So he's going to bruise the head of your kingdom. You're going to bruise his heel. You're going to hurt Messiah, but you're only going to hurt his heel. But he's going to what? Bruise your head. You're the, seed, the head of your seed. And unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Now, think about this. I want every woman listening to think about this. The most I said, he's saying this to the woman. He's not saying it to the man, okay? And we need to get this straight because a lot of men feel like they have authority to rule over the woman, authority to make her do, Okay? That unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. I'm going to multiply your sorrows and I'm going to multiply uh, thy conception. In other words, I'm going to give you more children than you would have normally had. That's how you multiply conception. And then also, Think about this. Every child that the woman would, would have had before this would have lived forever. It would have lived forever because there was no death in the world. So he's multiplying her sorrow in that she's a giver of life. She's a bringer forth of life. But all the life that she now is going to bring forward is going to bring forth to die. Before this, every child she had would have been eternal. But now you're bringing forth life that it should die. She had to be, if she could conceive this, she had to be super sorry about that. Wow. Now everything that I bring forth, everything that comes forth out of my womb is going to live and die. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And that's why she's in sorrow about bringing forth children. This shall be a joyous thing. Wham, I'm creating a new life. Wham, I'm creating a new life. And she would not have to worry about that life being sick or maimed or crippled or uh, what we should call illiform, malformed, retarded, uh, unhealthy. She wouldn't have to worry about any of that, and much less it dying. But now she's bringing forth life, and this life that she's bringing forth, in the end, will die. That had to make her sorry. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. That means this ruling over her gave him authority over her. Authority. Didn't mean that he was supposed to beat her into submission like he does the animal. Didn't mean that he had the authority to abuse her. He said, hey, you, female, woman, are the weaker vessel. You need somebody to look over you. You need somebody to look out for you. And unto Adam, he said, 
because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, Adam, because you listened to your wife, man, I told you don't eat from that tree. Why would you listen to her? Now, we're not told that he had a conversation with her, but we know if you use common sense, you had to know that Adam wouldn't have just taken this fruit and just eaten it. But the woman already had something on Adam that he didn't have. She had the knowledge of good and evil already. He didn't have that. But he knew what the fruit was. So the Most High said, hey, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, could you imagine what that conversation was? <clears throat> could you imagine what kind of conversation could she have had with him that would make him choose to follow her? What could she have said to him? You going to be without me? There is nothing like me in the world. I mean, what could she say to him? What could she say to him that would make him do that? Whatever he said to her or she said to him, he listened. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Most I was bringing it back to his remembrance. I told you not to eat of it. He didn't say he told the woman not to eat of it, which leads me to believe that Adam told Eve, Don't eat from the tree and don't touch it. He's doing it to protect her. Now, that's not written. I'm saying that when you read these stories enough and you ponder them and you pray on them, you have to understand that. Adam, in trying to protect Eve, I know I would have done it. I would say, you know what? You ain't supposed to eat of that tree. Don't even touch it because I don't want to lose you. So she tells Satan, we aren't supposed to eat of this tree, and we're not supposed to touch it. The most I never told Adam that, but I believe Adam told her that. This is just sharing what I believe that, that what happened. It says that he listened to her. So the most High saying, I told you not to eat of it. Curse is the ground for your sake. Curse is the ground because of you. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of your life. Now, they were supposed to be eating from where? The tree. The fruit of the tree. He said, now everything that comes forth is cursed. It's not going to bring forth its abundance like it would have. It's not going to yield to you the same at the same level that it would have yielded to you. And you're going to eat of it by the sweat of your brow. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou take, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. So the most I said, serpent, you are going to be 
the lowest thing in the earth because you have gotten this woman to sin. And you're going to go upon your belly. And you're going to be cursed above everything. Then he turns to the woman. I'm going to greatly multiply thy sorrow. You're going to be sorry. I'm going, you're going to bring children in sorrow. And I'm going to multiply your conception. And you're going to be bring forth life that it will die. You're the giver of life, and everything that you give life to is going to die. And he turns to Adam, and then he says, oh, it does a woman also submit to the man. You want it to be wise. You really want to have one upon him because He's a meek man. So submit yourself to him. Submit yourself to his authority. He's giving that commandment to the woman. He didn't say, man, make her submit. He didn't say, man, take dominion over this woman. A ruler is supposed to look after that which he has rulership over. But he tells her to submit herself. Not that you are any more, any less intelligent than he is, but you got a nature about you that you think too much. And in your heart of hearts, you desire to be greater than him. So let me fix what's wrong in you. Submit yourself to him. Then look at Adam. Boy, I told you not to eat from that tree. But you're going to listen to this woman. You're going to listen to your wife over me. So cursed is the ground for your sake. Cursed is the ground because of you. The earth got cursed because of the man. That's why it's important that men understand what their role is within the family and and the structure that the most I put in place, that the man is the foundation. He's also the covering. And the man got the whole earth cursed. Now the ground can't bring forth like it was bringing forth. Vines of grapes so heavy, Adam probably could just take one bunch of grapes and take it home and that would be enough to eat for the day. Apples and pears and all these peaches and apricots and all these different fruits that he was supposed to be eating. I give him every fruit-bearing tree. I've given it to you for food. And you have chosen to listen to this woman. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. Now, the Most High said, that what I formed you out of, you're, gonna, you're going to actually revert back to that. 
you're going to revert back to the dirt. In the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken. I formed you out of the ground. To dust thou, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So you're going to revert back to the baser elements that I made you out of. Could you imagine that? See, I know people think that, uh, or do you consider that before they sinned, there was no death in the world. There was no um, sickness. Everything was good. And that serpent knew, said, you know what, I can throw a monkey wrench in this thing. Adam's off tilling the garden. He's naming the animals. He done left his woman alone. Let me go befriend her. And let me tell her what she's missing. Let me lie to her. But let me make it seem like the truth. Let me go to the weaker vest. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And Adam also, and to his wife, did Yah make coats of skins and clothe them. Now think about this. They were naked. The Most High clothed them. When they were first naked, they had clothed themselves with what? Plant life from the fig tree. But the Most High said there's sin in the camp. Something's got to die. Can't kill the man, I can't kill the woman. So I'm going to take an animal's life and I'm going to shed its blood and I'm going to make out of the skin of the animal so he doesn't go to waste clothes for them. That they can walk around what? Not ashamed. Since they now are ashamed to be in front of me naked. But this nakedness was not just physical nakedness, this was emotional nakedness. As well, not being hidden in your heart from the Most High, not being hidden in your heart from your spouse, because now you got wicked thoughts, you got baser thoughts. You're no longer innocent. So let me cover this up, physically and what? Mentally, emotionally. There's so many people in the world who live hidden lives. And most of the time we hide because we, we, we have something we don't want people to know, whether we just don't want them to know our business or whether we just don't want them, or we're doing something we don't want them to know. But we live hidden lives. And the most high saying, hey, your life should be such that you're able to live it what openly. 
not hidden. Because you can't hide it from me. I might ask you where you're at for your sake. Adam, where art thou? I know good and well where you're at, Adam. But do you know where you're at? Do you know the condition that you're in now? Do you know all the crazy thoughts that are going to go through your mind now? Do you, Adam? 21. Read that again. Let's move on. Unto Adam also he gave, and to his wife did Yah Elohim make coats of skins and clothed them. And Yah Elohim said, Behold, the man has become as one of us. Who's the one of us? Remember, he made the angels and everything before he made man. To know good and evil. And to know, least he put forth his hand. And now, least he put forth his hand also of the tree of life and live forever. What is wrong with this man? He knows good and evil now, but not only does he know it, he's going to act upon it, and he's going to sin. So let me drive him out of the garden. At least he put forth his hand also of the tree of life and live forever. Therefore, Yah Elohim sent him forth from the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken, I brought you into the garden to till the ground, paradise. Now I'm going to send you back to the ground that you were taken out of, to till that ground. And it's not going to bring forward to you like the ground in the garden. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden, cherub, angels and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, this word cherubim, messenger, angel, is something that um, all pastors, all men and women of Yah are supposed to be, supposed to guard the way to the tree of life supposed to be able to present it to those who are worthy, who the Most High sends to you to present to them the word of Yah in the tree of life. We have lost our way. We are stumbling in the dark. And the Most High is saying, hey, I'm waking you up. I want you to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I want you to guard the way to the tree of life, but also offer it to whosoever will. Because the garden was my desire for mankind from the beginning, and I had to run you out of the garden. Now I'm trying to offer you a way back into the garden. 
So every man of Elohim should know how to get into the garden, should know how to give their fellow man back their citizenship. This is the mission, this is the the job that Messiah was given and that he gave to us to keep the way of the tree of life, to be able to offer it to whomsoever will. The book of Genesis chapter 4. Then Adam knew, slept with his wife, slept with Eve, his wife, and she conceived. This is what this word knew means in the scriptures. When it says that a man knew a woman, it means that he left. Not only did he know of her, he knew her name. No, he knew her. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have begotten a man from Yah. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. What was Adam? Adam was a tiller of the ground also, right? Cain took after his father and was a tiller, a farmer. Abel was a herder. He kept the sheep, the flock. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto Yah. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And Yah had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very mad, very rock, angry, and his countenance fell. His spirit, he, um, he felt sat on. And he became angry. Now, why did the Most High, he's a farmer, he tills the ground. Why would the Most High not accept his offering? It had to be because of where it came from, not the ground, but from his heart. He didn't give the Most High his best. That's why Abel gave what? Abel gave the firstling of his flock, and the fat or the best thereof. But Cain just gave an offering, and he didn't give his best. And the most I didn't have respect of it. It wasn't the fact that he brought of his of his crops. The problem was his attitude. his attitude toward the offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very rough, and his countenance fell. And Yah said unto Cain, why are you angry? Why are you rough? Why is thy countenance fallen? Why is your spirit fallen? 
If thou do well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall desire. You got to read that slowly. And unto thee, Cain, shall be sin's desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You have the power to rule over sin. If you do well. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him, killed him. And Yah said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, the, the name of Cain actually means brother's keeper. So he's asking a question, being trying to be funny. The Most High said, I already know where Abel's at. And Yah said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. The Most High knows everybody who's been murdered. Killed when their blood was spilled. He says his blood cried to him from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. So he already told Adam, cursed is the ground for your sake. It's not going to bring forth as it was. Now he's telling Cain, you got a double curse. Because now the ground that's already been cursed is cursed again for your sake. Because of you. And it's not going to yield her strength. Even what is given to Adam is not going to give to you. And it's not giving its full to Adam. It's not yielding its full yield to Adam. And now you're going to get less than Adam. Because your brother's blood into the earth. And so the earth is not going to produce for you. Even as it was doing for Adam. In a fugitive, that means you sought after. In a vagabond, this word vagabond means that kind of means like you're homeless. You uh, don't have any one place. You're drifting. Let's see what this word means in the Hebrew. A wanderer, flee from shaking the head in sympathy, a consult. Bemoaned. You're going to be looked down upon. You're going to be moaned because of. You're going to be more or less pitied in the world. And Cain said unto Yah, 
my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth. He can't get off the face of the earth. He ain't going up in the clouds. He's really talking about you driven me from the face of my family. And from thy face shall I be hid. And from the face of who? The most high. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And Yah said unto him, For whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Yah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Who else is going to find him? His brothers, his sisters, this leaves a lot open, even to where he goes and finds a wife, Cain. The scriptures do not say that he took his sister with him. People will say, well, who else did he take? Who else is going to slay him? This question is to ask, because there's many different thoughts, schools of thought on this particular subject and the implications of what the scriptures are saying. And Yah said, uh, and Yah said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him. And Yah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of Yah and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. This name Nod, vagrancy, the land of Cain, Nod. So they're saying that the land of Nod was the land of Canaan. Eastward of Eden, east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived. Now, we're not told where Cain got his wife from. You can say that, hey, he took one of his sisters with him. We're not told that. You would have to assume that. We're not told that he got a wife wherever he went. We would also have to assume that. But we do know he has a wife. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. So Cain had a son named Enoch, and Enoch had a son that he named what? Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Erad, and Erad begat Mahal, and Mahal begat Methuselah, and Methuselah begat Lamach. So all of these names have a meaning to them. Initiated, Shemnach, and Antisavarian patriarch, Enoch. Let's see what um, Erad means. From the same as 6166, a fugitive. His name means a fugitive. Mahael. Mahiel, 
smitten of God. So all of these sons' names are meaning having something to do with what? Death. Methuselah. What does his name mean? Methuselah, with the relative man who is of Yah. Methuselah. Lamach. From an unused root of uncertain meaning, Lamech, two patriarchs. So they don't give the meaning of Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives. And the name of one was Adah, and the name of the other is Zillah. I wonder if there's any significance in the females' names here. Adah, ornament. And Zillah means doesn't really have a meaning. Tisbalah. And Adah bare Jabal, and he was the father of such that dwell in tents, as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jabal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. And Tila, or Zilla, she also bare Tubalcane an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubalcane was Namah. And Namah said unto his wife, Adiah, Adiah and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamah. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wound and a young man to my hurt. So he has done the same thing as his uh, grandfather, Cain. If Cain shall be avenged uh, sevenfold, truly Lamont seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For Yah has said, has, for Yah said she has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth to whom to, and to Seth to him also there was born a son. And he called his name Enoch. Then began men to call upon the name of Yah. All this other time, they were not calling upon the name of the Most High. They were running from him. They were still dealing with the shame of being kicked out the garden. And so you might think that a lot of time has passed by. But it's less than 130 years, roughly about 130 years. We can read later on that Adam conceived Seth, or Adam begat Seth, when he was 130 years old. So all of this, the being in the garden, being kicked out of the garden, having children and your children having children, 
all of this is in less than 130 years. It did not take man a long time to fall from their from his creation. And so what we find is, is that we have been swift to run to evil. And the most I said, hey, I created you with a good nature. I created you with a good heart. And so now, after two or three generations, four generations, men are starting to call upon the name of Yahweh to humble them and to save them. We're going to stop, stop right here today, so I'll know where to start at in Genesis chapter 5 next week. And we will pick it up because here we have the men that are turning back and looking for Elohim, looking to get back in right relationship with him. So Elohim has a plan from the very beginning and what he wants. And we're going to find that one's going to come on the scene and the Mosai take them off the scene so that he might fulfill his plan. So that being said, brothers and sisters, peace and blessings, Shabbat Shalom, and remember, love one another and seek the kingdom of Yah with everything that you have. Until next week, peace and blessings. On next week, we will start with we will start with uh, the book of Genesis, chapter five.